Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Killer Babes podcast. Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kirby. And welcome back to season four. Wow. Wow. The big four. The big four. It's episode 61. Mm-hmm. It's getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just going to have a big yawn. Oh. Like, yeah, that is the moon. That's <laughs> Um, so that was not a great it's intro. It's been a couple of years. I mean, <laughs> since the last episode, I just mean like, it's been a year. I was gonna say it's been a year. Yeah. It, but then in my head, I was like, no, it's been, it's been a couple you of years. You mean like, it's been a year. It's been a year. Feels like years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that. And that's that. And as usual, there are no updates. No. After a four to five month hiatus, we have zero updates for you. Listen, it is what it is. I can't even think about what we did over the summer. We were just trying to, like, come up with what we did, and I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. The world is, like, still kind of closed, so we didn't do much. Yeah, it's like limbo. Like, half the places are closed. The others aren't. Some states <laughs> are. The only two options. <laughs> Some yeah. states aren't. Yeah, what can you do at this point but laugh, you know? I do feel like it's a weird limbo right now. I'm confused. Yeah. I'm very confused. All I hope is that this year we travel to Salem and we go to the Clue House. That's all I want from this year, from 2021 into 2022. And 2022 into 2023. Too much to ask for. (laughs) We're not quite there. We're not into the new year yet. We're just in October, end of October into November. Time. What is time? I don't even know. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about that before on another episode. It just gets worse. Yeah. I mean, my memory is terrible. We, I couldn't even remember, like, the login for the podcast. No, I couldn't either. <laughs> it took me a couple tries. We didn't even remember how to record. Well, listen, we got our shit together just in time, guys. So did you we? guys are welcome. I don't think we did. No, it's been, like, two minutes. <laughs> I just logged on. So we actually might need a few minutes. So give us some slack. We're jumping back into this. And like we said, it's been a year. So... It's been a year. You know what I mean? Not years. Anyway, guess what time it is, guys? It's Halloween time, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's October 29th. Well, no, it's October. They'll be listening to it in November, November 2nd. <laughs> but today, we are recording on October 29th. It's spooky season. Y'all know what that means. It is. I bought two pumpkins in the spirit of fall. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I did. That's really all I did. Um, I'm not. I carved a pumpkin. I saw that. That was pretty cool. That was nice. Yeah, it's fun carving pumpkins. Yeah, I saw you had to scoop out all the guts. Yeah, that's my favorite part. (laughs) They gave you all of the pumpkins. I just like putting my hand inside the guts and just feeling it. Oh, that's not something you admit. I just did. (laughs) I like eating them. The seeds are the. The seeds, yeah. No, the whole pumpkin. I I like the seeds. You ever seen that video of the elephants that just? Crush them? Yeah. Yeah. I like watching them. They eat part of it, too. I mean, it's food. We can eat pumpkin. Yeah, I don't know about raw. I I think I would No, we can cook it, but have you ever made spaghetti squash? Yeah. That's exactly what it's like when you do it with the the pumpkin. Yeah. Mm. It's like... Yeah, big fan of pumpkins. Big fan of pumpkins. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Halloween and spooky stuff... Oh, right, 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 right. Um, you know, we got the staple... All the spooky people in spooky movies we got like frankenstein right vampires yeah. right zombies yeah. ghosts what about them i'm just saying these are all spooky characters in spooky movies 
Oh, okay. But one of the most, most underrated spooky types of characters in spooky movies are the spooky clowns. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Spooky, scary. Well, it, it is a huge oh, franchise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched it the other day. Oh, my God. It is so good. I did really enjoy the last one. I didn't think I was going to with the kids in the it. Re- oh. Like the little kids in it. And then they turn into adults. Maybe yeah. that was the second to last one. I don't remember. Wait, I thought there's only two. I feel like I've seen But three. there's re- a remake. Like there was a yeah, remake. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like the series. Okay. I'm a big fan of a clown that lives big in a gutter. Big fan of it, yeah. <laughs> that is kind of an alligator, but not really. Because he has a whole underground like gutter system. I mean, it's definitely. Sewer system. Yeah. <laughs> I was confused about that, to be honest, because. Um, he lives in a pile like... of trash and it's magic. Yeah. Is what it is. Um. Yeah. He's a shapeshifter. He can eat you. But actually, what he actually feeds off of is your fear. Right. Which is interesting. It is interesting. Oh, the Joker's a clown. He was a bad clown. That's true. That's true. American Horror Story. Bad clown in that. That was the uh, carnival one. Yes, it was Freak Show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, he had a weird name, but he was a a scary clown. He killed people. So I don't know what it is that people have against clowns clowns i don't know yeah what started that um i'm not sure like oh i know what started it what john wayne gacy the serial killer he was a clown oh but wait crusty the clown is that american horror story i might have been crusty yeah ronald mcdonald was a nice clown yeah he was a nice clown i think it's more um just the fact that you have face paint on and you are hiding your true face like but people love face painters like you bring a face painter to a kid's party they want butterflies they want tigers Mm -hmm. what's the difference between drawing a smiling face why is it so creepy i don't know i don't really get it either i don't maybe it's john wayne casey but i don't i think it's always been a thing yeah i don't know i'm not i don't quite get it somebody can explain it to me but yeah i'm not i'm not in the group that is scared of clowns like are you scared of clowns no i don't think so unless a clown would come after me with a gun or <laughs> like a knife no shit like anyone that I comes guess. like this is what i mean like the the scary clown on american horror story duh he kills you and also his face is half off like and he was just a little dirty i think he was very dirty he had a remember his jaw was loose and he just wore a mask over it oh that's why he wore the mask like okay, of course yeah. it's scary it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's a clown. It, I maybe it's because it's draw kids in and then I kill you. But like they kill you. Like of course it's scary. So I don't know. Yeah, I just don't get the irrational fear of clowns. I don't. I don't get why someone deep down hates clowns because they probably didn't have a bad experience with them, right? Unless they did. Maybe Unless they did. Maybe I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but that was just a segue into our episode today because we are yeah. talking about clowns and we thought. Tis the season. Yeah. Kind of. Tis the season and classic, you know, road tour. And I think that was maybe one of our smoothest intros. Like, And that's saying a lot because it wasn't that smooth. <laughs> what is it called? Transitions. Yeah. Smoothest transitions. Okay. 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 Well, with that, an abrupt transition, we'll just dive right in. Episode 61. This is the day the clowns cried. The Hartford Circus Fire occurred on July 6, 1944, in Hartford, Connecticut. 
It was one of the worst fire disasters in the United States history, which took place during a performance of the Ringling Brothers in Barnum Bailey Circus. There were 6,000 guests present and 700 plus were injured. 167 people in total ended up dying from this tragedy. This day, the Hartford Circus Fire is also known as the Day the Clowns Cried. And so we'll start you off. It was a regular fun-filled afternoon on a Thursday, July 6th, 1944. It was the closing day of four performances from the traveling Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey's greatest show on earth in Hartford, Connecticut. The crew were quite happy to finally call it as they had been experiencing some shortages of personnel, which I think we can all relate to right (laughs) now. True. Their equipment was also not great because the United States at this time was involved in World War II, so there were a lot of shortages everywhere. Delays, malfunctions, those were all common when the circus eventually ended up in Hartford, and the trains were so late that one of the two shows scheduled for that day had been canceled. Now, circus superstition, if you're not familiar with it, which I wasn't really, states that missing a show is extremely bad luck, and they are very superstitious. So although the evening show ran fine, everyone was kind of on guard because they were expecting an emergency or a catastrophe to arise. Murphy's Law, right? So fun fact, other superstitions in the circus include never sit with your back to the ring, always enter the ring with your right foot first, and elephant hair is lucky to find, and even luckier if gifted. Do elephants have hair? Yeah, they have tail hair and little hairs on their body. You've never seen like a wispy elephant no they've got also, hair on their the toes ring? like what's this is the is a circus just one ring like that's a stage is that yeah what i think it's is? like the stage but it's inset a little bit and there's chairs around it i guess i don't think i've ever been to a circus <gasps> well now that i'm thinking now, <laughs> now that we're talking about it i don't think you have the chance to because they're all canceled honestly i'm not mad i think it was fun really yeah it's just the excitement like you've been to a fair yeah. And it's kind of like that where you have to go. You know, you've been and there's animals there. And it's just the atmosphere with the performers. Maybe if I was a kid, maybe. Yeah. Popcorn. Yeah, that's cool. I, but I can make that. Good family fun had by all. You had to be there. You have to be there. You Damn, have to FOMO be there. hitting hard. <laughs> everyone, speaking of FOMO, everyone In the town, I'm telling you, everyone was attending the final festivities on Barber Street Fairgrounds in Hartford. There was an estimated 6,000, some people say 7,000 specters throughout the day, many of whom were women and children since it was a matinee show and it was a weekday performance. People arrived hours before the circus even started just to enjoy those good old hot dogs and some sticky cotton candy. There were tickets you could purchase for sideshows and rides. And the sideshows had become a part of the circus mainly in the United States around the late 19th century. P.T. Barnum was largely credited with influencing the sideshow development, which typically included human abnormalities like quote-unquote fat ladies, giants, dwarfism, armless wonders, four-legged girls, illusions and magicians, curious inventions, and various arts of work. Talkers, often associated with the phrase, step right up! were called grinders or spielers and lured the customers into the sideshow tents. And as the 20th century progressed, changing attitudes towards the political correctness of the sideshows caused their decline. Damn PC culture. When the main circus show was about to begin, thousands entered into the tent to find their seats as the band welcomed them with the star-spangled banner. Everyone crowded underneath the big top to watch the traveling circus performance that featured 
polar bears, daredevils, clowns, elephants, bands, lions, and more. About 20 minutes into the show, disaster struck. It was 2.40 p.m. and the French lion tamer, Alfred Court, had just ended. The five famous trapeze artists of the Flying Wallandas took their places on the high wire when a tiny flame crept out from the canvas men's toilet room outside the big top. The 48-foot-high tent had been waterproofed with a mixture of paraffin and gasoline beforehand. While the waterproofing protected views from rain, it made it extremely flammable. It took a mere seconds before it was burning out of control. Someone screamed, FIRE! And the panicked frenzy began. One of the members of the Flying Wallandas told Hartford Current, quote, It didn't seem to spread fast. I thought I had time to lash the bicycles, which we had put on the wire already to begin our act. But when the flames hit the roof, we saw we had to get down fast. But people were so crowded in there, we saw we didn't have a chance. So we climbed over the cage that lines the exit. That was easy for us. We're performers. But the public couldn't get out of the way. End quote. Six attendants ran toward the fire with buckets of water, but a strong wind picked up and spread the flames out of control. Eyewitnesses said that the fire started at the bottom of the sidewall and crept up to the big top. The ringmaster, Fred Bradna, told the audience not to panic and asked the patrons to leave in an orderly fashion. Unfortunately, though, the power had failed, so nobody heard him say that. The band leader, Merle Evans, mentioned to his musicians to play Stars and Stripes Forever, which, little known fact, is a known distress signal for the other circus members. As the flames grew over 100 feet high, some guests stayed put, thinking the fire would be, put, would be put out, while others frantically ran for the exits, only to find them blocked by animal cages, which were in the process of being moved in and out of the tent. Patches of burning canvas from the big top began falling to the ground, and people were being burnt by the melting paraffin raining down. The other exits that were not blocked by the animal cages were blocked by people who were all trying to escape. Those unable to escape through the exits tried slashing holes through the tent's canvas. In less than 10 minutes, the fire burned through the poles and support ropes as the tent came crashing down on those who could not escape. By the time firefighters put out the flames, almost 170 people had died from exposure to smoke and fire, but many people had trampled to death by the surrounding panicked guests as the fire engulfed the tent. Mayor Mortensen was notified of the fire shortly after it broke out by a reporter. He headed to the circus immediately. When he got there, he assisted in rescue work for over two hours and then visited the municipal hospital where the injured were transported. He requested all flags in Hartford be flown at half staff. And he said, quote, I am overwhelmingly grieved that Hartford should suffer such a terrible tragedy. The city authorities have already begun to take action to protect the interests of the community. I am proud of the way the Hartford policemen, firemen, and all those other agencies, both from the city and outside, have performed their tasks here. The city is deeply grateful to all those who aided, end quote. The fire was so fierce that many victims were later identified solely by the jewelry they wore 
or a shed of fabric in the fold of a body. One father had applied a bandage to his young daughter's palm just hours before taking her to the circus. He later identified his daughter by that bandage inside a charred and clenched fist. How did the bandage not burn? Because it was inside, maybe? Like, just, I mean, maybe it was wrapped, but the inside part, there was a little bit left because it was inside her hand. Maybe. July 6th, 1944 became known as the day the clowns cried because there's a famous black and white photograph that circulated in several newspapers of sad clown Emmett Kelly with a pained grimace on his face as he's seen gripping his water bucket in front of the fire. You can see heavy smoke, bleachers, and destruction littering the ground. Emmett Kelly was known as Weary Willie. He had been in the circus for two years, but his character had been in the circus for decades. Weary Willie was made for a generation who had lived through the Great Depression and became very famous. In the Paris Review, Kelly described the character in this way. Quote, Weary Willie is a melancholy little hobo who always gets the short end of the stick and never has any luck, but he never loses hope and keeps on trying, end quote. Legend claimed that after the summer of 1944, whenever Emmett Kelly appeared as Weary Willie, a small tear could be found painted on his left cheek in honor of the Hartford victims. It's not true, though. When he realized the bucket of water was not going to help, he helped children escape. He pulled up an edge of the canvas to usher children out and tried to calm them down as many were separated from their parents in the chaos. The photograph captured Kelly's true character, not his persona, weary willy and thus the circus fire is also known as the day the clowns cried the next morning in friday's hartford current the headlines read 139 die more than 225 hurt in circus fire 113 children mothers not yet located and panic and blaze trap hundreds With thousands of people trapped inside the tent, the horrific disaster would claim 167 lives. One of the most famous victims was an eight-year-old blonde girl wearing a white dress who was known as Little Miss 1565. The nickname was based on the number given to her at the morgue. Unclaimed by any relatives, Little Miss 1565 was photographed and her picture circulated in all the local newspapers. I don't like that nickname. No, I don't. I don't think they it sounds mean like it. a pageant winner. Yeah, right? I don't think they meant it demeaning. I don't think they did either. But someone should have double checked that. It wouldn't be until forty-seven years later that Little Miss fifteen sixty-five's identity was revealed. Hartford Fire Lieutenant Rick Davy had a nine-year investigation into the fire and how it started. What began as a hobby had turned into an obsession, but it revealed that Little Miss 1565 was Eleanor Cook. Rick Davey had shown photographs to a man named Donald Cook, who matched the morgue pictures to those of his sister from family photographs. On the day of the fire, Eleanor, her mother, Mildred Cook, and brothers Edward and Donald had attended the circus. When the panic under the tent arose, the family was separated. Mildred Cook was burned and hospitalized for nearly six months, and over 90% of her body had been burned. Of the three Cook children, only Donald survived. While Mildred was in the hospital, her sister Emily Gill attempted to identify Eleanor among the dead, but couldn't positively ID anyone. The family members believe that Miss Gill was never shown the right body. Mrs. Cook was told that her daughter had died in the fire. On March 8, 1991, the death certificate for Little Miss 1565 was amended. 
From the article, Body of Girl Killed in 1944, Circus Fire Finally Goes Home on June 2nd, 1991, quote, Eleanor Emily Cook's body was exhumed from a small memorial site at Northwood Cemetery in Windsor, Connecticut, and transported to a cemetery in Southampton, where she was reburied Saturday in a grave that bears her name. She was buried beside her six-year-old brother, Edward, who also died in the fire that killed 168 people July 6, 1944, in Hartford, Connecticut. The gravestone of Little Miss 1565 will be amended and will return to the memorial site. It will read, quote, rested in peace here these 47 years as Little Miss 1565. On March 8, 1991, she became known to all as Eleanor Emily Cook and is now buried with her family, end quote. So morbidly interestingly, since that event, the Cook family raised some questions about whether Little Miss 1565 really was Eleanor Cook. Some investigators believe that Eleanor's body may have been among the unclean bodies from the fire. Some weird contrasts include Little Miss 1565 had blonde hair while Eleanor was brunette. That's pretty big. Also, the shape, height, and ages of Little Miss 1565's face and that of Eleanor wasn't quite a perfect match. While a DNA analysis could easily solve this, the logistics of exhuming candidates just for a potential mix-up is highly unlikely. So the big controversy, no, controversy, controversy. (laughs) (laughs) Controversy, right? Controversy. 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 So the big controversy is how did the fire start? Now, this is a largely accepted story that theorizes that the fire started with a carelessly tossed cigarette and authorities had deemed the fire a terrible accident. No one was charged at the beginning for starting it, but four men of the Ringling Brothers officials were charged for acts of negligence. During an investigation of the fire, it came up that the circus lacked the basic fire preparation. The circus's fire extinguishers were buried in their storage unit, and they had failed to notify the Hartford Fire Department of their arrival and their performance. The four circus officials pleaded no contest to the charges and spent about a year in prison before receiving pardons. Ringling Bros and Barnum and Bailey's agreed to take on full financial responsibility and paid almost $5 million in compensation to the 600 victims and families who had filed claims against them by 1954 and Hartford officials. But it would be six years after that that this theory of cigarette throwing was questioned. In April 1950 in Williamsport, Ohio, there was a grain fire that appeared to have been deliberately set. A man named William Graham had previously confessed to starting a fire at a storage facility for an Ohio circus. He was arrested in connection with this grain fire. Graham admitted to setting the fire, but while being questioned about a series of fires known as the Circleville fires, he told authorities about this friend he had lived with, Robert Seagy. Robert, it turns out, had his own past for setting several fires. Police in Ohio arrested Robert, a 20-year-old, for starting a number of fires in the 50s. During the investigation, Robert was referred to a psychiatrist where he confessed to multiple East Coast murders and confessed to having started multiple fires on the East Coast, which included the Hartford, Connecticut Circus Fire. Robert Dale Seagy grew up in New Hampshire and Maine. He was described as a nervous boy who was taunted by siblings, schoolmates, and by his father, 
who allegedly punished him by holding his fingers over a flame and would burn his fingers with cigarettes. His mother said he had bad dreams so often that he was afraid to go to bed. As young as nine or ten years old, he would sneak out of the house and just roam the streets at night. Robert's sister Dorothy said that as a young boy, he had also set two fires inside their home. And his mother also confirmed that Robert was a former circus employee who was employed by the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus from June 30th to July 13th, 1944, as part of the lighting crew. When Robert joined the circus on June 30th in Portland, Maine, there was a fire on tent ropes that was extinguished, no harm done. The circus then moved from Portland, Maine to Providence, Rhode Island, and there was another small fire, which was extinguished, no harm done. Small fires were pretty common at a circus, and some said that there were two to three fires, like the Providence fire, small ones, every week. So my question is, are um like are we implying that not we, but like in general, right? That this guy lit all these little small fires, or are we literally saying that like circuses just always have like little fires? I think that circuses just had accidents. There was a lot of moving parts because they were always picking up their stuff and moving and going. That I don't know. They cook over fires. They probably That's lit fires. True. There's a lot of food there. Yeah. So I and electricity isn't that great, right? Because I don't know. I'm assuming <laughs> they electricity back in 1900. Yes. <laughs> Not 1900. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I think accidents and fires and little things like all of these little things, people just swept on the rug and. That was the circus. It's showbiz, baby. It's <laughs> showbiz, baby. <laughs> then again, were these small fires supposed to be bigger fires? Or was this just a cigarette? Again, cigarettes and smoking. That's true. Were pretty common. Smoking. And if this is the summer, it's dry. Might have had a little drought going. Probably. Humidity does not stop it. Yeah, it gets humid in New England. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it might have just been that perfect storm. Don't they don't people eat flames too? Oh yeah, there's flames at fires. There's the flamethrowers. <laughs> Wait, that's not good if the the tent was so that flammable. I actually don't know if that was part of the show at this time, but yeah, that's not great. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So it, I guess it's no wonder that you know there were two to three fires, little ones every. I, I mean, they got lucky. That's why, like, I'm surprised that this huge fire was purposefully set. Like, it's crazy that it wasn't just an accident. I could see you as a pyro. I love fire. I love lighting candles. <laughs> I love lighting fires at summertime in my fire pit. I love watching fires. I love the sound of fire. I love the smell of fire. Yeah. I could see you being like, I could go for a good fire right now. Who doesn't love a good fire? Not a building fire. A mm. fireplace fire or a, like a marshmallow fire. Anyway. According to LA Times, in the years 1940 through 1946, there had been 28 major fires and 40 minor ones within 10 blocks of the Seagees' home in Portland, Maine. Robert admitted to setting 25 to 30 of the fires. Like, that's such a, like, I said, 25 to 30, that's all. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but that 31st one, that wasn't me. Yeah, no, not me. I stopped after 30. Hartford school records show that Robert flunked all of his sixth grade subjects and his IQ was judged to be 78. He had no juvenile criminal record. In 1946, Robert moved to Ohio. Under the psychiatric visit, it also came up that Robert's first murder was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire on September 5th, 1938. A nine-year-old girl had been beaten to death with a stone on a riverbank in Portsmouth. 
He identified the victim as Barbara Driscoll. Robert would have been nine years old. Wait, damn. So he was nine years old and he killed another nine-year-old? Yikes. Other victims included a 12-year-old boy who was strangled to death by Robert on the beach at Cape Cottage in Maine in 1943. He was also spotted setting a fire in a warehouse in Portland, Maine that same year. Robert said he also committed a murder in Japan while he had served in the army and that he had been court-martialed for it. This could not be verified as his military records, along with many others, have been lost in a fire. Hmm. That seems ironic. Robert told police and psychiatrists that he would always black out after striking the match, and during that time, he saw a quote-unquote red man with fangs, claws, fiery red chest hair, and flames coming out of the top of his head. All I gotta say is, why we gotta stereotype redheads? The red man would tell him to start fires, and he did. if he did not start a fire, he himself would be burned. I think it's probably like the devil, but... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there's all these connotations, man. Fiery, angry. That's literally the devil. <laughs> in flames. The devil does have red hair, though. No, the flames are red and no, orange. No, but fiery red chest hair. It's probably just flames. More flames. All right. <laughs> anyway, so accident or arson? National headlines now linked Robert Seagy to the 1944 Hartford Circus Fire. On November 2nd, 1950, Robert Dale Seagy was escorted back to the Pickaway County Jail after he was declared with the diagnosis obsessive-compulsive neurosis, not psychotic, psychopathic, nor mentally deficient. He was able to stand trial for two arson charges in Pickaway County, Ohio. While Robert had initially confessed to setting the Hartford Circus fire, he eventually recanted claiming that Ohio authorities had talked him into believing he was guilty. Robert was convicted on the original Ohio charges and sentenced four years in prison. In 1951, Ohio denied Robert parole. He was never charged in the circus fire, and he was never charged in any of the other crimes he confessed to. 1954, the psychiatrist at Mansfield Reformatory found Robert to be psychotic, declaring him a paranoid schizophrenic and committing him to the Lima State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. In 1993, Connecticut State Police detectives interviewed Robert at his home in Ohio to question him about his previous confession to setting the Hartford Circus fire ablaze on July 6, 1944. He continued to maintain his innocence to Connecticut detectives in 1993, Robert claimed that he didn't have to work the matinee the day of the circus fire, and he had seen the four feathers in downtown Hartford. Guess that's an old-time movie. Never seen it. Mm. But there was a problem with his account. The movie came out in 1939 and was not playing in theaters in Hartford in July 1944. Boom! Boom! Check your records, man. Now that's a pretty bad alibi. Yeah, like, I would, I would, yeah, I would look that up first, you know? Definitely. All right, the date is... The 16th of March, 1993. The time is 1540. And you're in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> well, the only, only thing I got on my side is my youth. So now, if you guys don't believe me, I haven't got a guardian chance to show. Okay, what we're here for today is the truth about the Hartford Circus Fire. Okay, now, I'm asking you. Now, you know it was July 6th, 
1944. And that came with an extremely hot day in politics. And no one but you know what their people, circuit people, done with that big Tom and that. I don't think really that anybody really started that fire. It's the goddamn hot sun that started that fire. But they had to blame somebody. So I was the last man on the totem pole, so I got the blame. I worked at the lights department at that time. Okay, let's move back a little bit. When did you join the circus? I joined them up in Portland, Maine, when I was a kid. I wasn't even old enough to get away from home. But I had such a terrible family, and that I'd have done anything to get away from home. Do you know about when you joined the circus? It was about four or five days before that circus fire. Because we went from Portland, Maine, to Providence, Rhode Island, from Providence, Rhode Island, to Hartford, Connecticut. And that's when it happened. Okay, were you working there the date of the circus fire on July 6th? I was on the bus, your bus system there in Hartford, when I heard somebody say the big time was on fire. I couldn't get off that goddamn bus quick enough to try to be of much help at all. But I did not set that fire. All I ask you to do, gentlemen, is check back on the weather page and know what people done with the big cop and just use your common sense. You know goddamn well I didn't set that fire. Robert Seagy died in 1997, about four years after the interview, and the cause of the fire still remains a mystery. The Hartford Circus Fire is one of the worst tragedies in American history, and this day would transform the future of the circus. As a result of the 1944 Circus Fire, Connecticut enacted new fire safety regulations for public performances. At the time, in the 1940s, city rules involving the number of exits, placement of fire extinguishers, flame-proofing, and other safety issues were mostly applied to fixed structures like theaters or auditoriums. Temporary traveling entertainment didn't have to follow those regulations. At the circus in Hartford, there were no, no smoking signs, not enough exits, especially since the few exits there were blocked by animal runways, no Hartford fire engines on site, very few hoses on the circus water trucks that actually fit on the city hydrants. So after the fire, the city and state officials came up with these new regulations for temporary shows, and they were the toughest in the nation. The American Standards Association soon followed, drafting a new code for carnivals, fairs, and circuses. According to the current, it's required that flame-proof tents are there, which sound pretty good, well-trained fire personnel also sounds pretty good, and an adequate number of exits, and much more. So all of that makes sense. pretty positive. Makes sense. Good outcome. In 2002, the Hartford Circus Fire Memorial Foundation was established to create a permanent memorial to those killed in the fire. A groundbreaking ceremony took place on July 6, 2004, at the site where the fire occurred on the 60th anniversary of the tragic event. Foundation Committee co-chairperson Charles Teal, City of Hartford Fire Chief, said, quote, The intent of the memorial is to bring us together as a community, as we pay homage to the victims, survivors, and countless others who were deeply affected by this tragedy 60 years ago. We are certain that the great efforts put forward by the Foundation Committee and its supporters will do justice to one of Hartford's most devastating tragedies, end quote. Before the radio, TV, or film were invented, the circus was the largest entertainment industry in the world, 
It was a traveling city that brought natural wonders and oddities to your own backyard. But over time, the rise of personal transportation gave way to declining attendance. The circuses also faced high operating costs and animal rights protests, which contributed to the demise of the iconic American circus. The circus visited Hartford during its final tour on April 30th, 2017, and then on May 21st, 2017, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus took their final bow at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum and closed after 146 years. Damn, end of an era. Seriously. That's sad, but also makes sense. Okay, well, you can say that because you never. No, you know it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're like, okay, that's nice. They no, ended. I feel like if you're canceling um, circuses, then we should be canceling zoos. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's been around for a while. People have wanted to close aquariums and zoos if they're not. They actually... made it happen with uh, circuses. Yeah, but the the other end of it is that some zoos are sanctuaries for animals who can't go back into the wild or assimilate with their kind i guess or injured okay but i know what you're saying because i have been to some zoos that are like heartbreaking not necessary no sad their pens are like as big as my bedroom and i have a small bedroom well yeah and like why you know so we can give kids something to do someday because maybe it's part educational because you do learn about animals when you're there and they have a where are they from what kind of climates do they live in yeah, I'm just saying, man, the zoos were coming for you next. Like, that's next oh, on the list. I think, no, I think it's the, um, what's the aquarium in, with the big whale? The lo- Zoo-quarium. No, oh. the one with the big whale that people tried to, oh my god, I'm literally just going to Google this. Big old whale. I don't know what you're talking about. SeaWorld. Oh! They're trying to get rid of SeaWorld. Um, did they get rid of it? I thought they did. I think I saw someone go to SeaWorld. Oh, okay, I'm Googling it. I can buy them for $50 tickets. I don't think they canceled it. Maybe it's different, though. Maybe they don't have... I thought something happened, because didn't you watch that documentary? With the big whale. Yeah, what is this whale's name? How come <laughs> I can't, we both can't remember it? All I can think of it's is It's an a ice song. cream bar. Baby Beluga. No, that's the only that's song Ralphie. I can think Baby of. Baby Beluga in the deep blue, blue sea. sea. But that's not what we're talking about. But this is a killer whale. It's um Shamu. Shamu. That's I remember because I remember the ice cream bar shaped like Shamu. I don't remember those. Oh, I think Shamu may be out of there. Maybe Shamu's dead. Maybe I don't know. Not Shamu. Died. Oh no! In 1971. What the hell are we talking about? Then? I don't know. Maybe there was another Shamu. <laughs> Shamu. Shamu Jr. 1984 pounds. Oh, I thought you were gonna say its age. I was like, no. <laughs> That's a big oh, yeah, yeah, whale. Yeah. yeah, but in the documentary, like, um, remember it ate someone? Oh, wasn't it its trainer? Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, okay, let's stop. Yes. Yeah. whole shenanigans. But I don't know what people think of a 1,900-pound animal in <laughs> captivity in a small little tank the size of a bathtub. Do you, you never played, <laughs> you never played Zoo Tycoon, did you? <laughs> Completely off topic. It was kind of like Sims. But for animals, and oh, you could create no. a zoo. And I used to put like just a bunch of whales in the water because I thought they wanted. So friends. you were part of the problem. No, I thought they wanted friends. And oh. then I had my my deer up there, and then I had like the snow leopards off to the side. And you could build different terrains, and you had to feed them. And this sounds like Animal Crossing. No, Animal Crossing 
are people animals. They're villagers. It's completely different. This was like oh. an actual zoo that I ran. I was the zookeeper and I decided and I made their pins all really big. So Okay. Okay. We'll get back to it. Um, so so is it haunted, right? I mean, we're talking about scary clowns. We kind of misled you because really that had nothing to do with the story. Mm, too true. But, the clown was actually a savior in the yeah, story. Like it, yeah, it was quite uh, a victim actually. But um, so whenever like a lot of people die, we always think, well, now it's going to be haunted, right? So that was kind of the case with the circus as well. Several legends grew after the circus fire. One legend alleged the ghosts of the fire victims remained at the site of the tragedy. According to AmericanHauntingsInc.com, two years after the fire, a housing project was erected nearby. It was a temporary arrangement to ease the home shortages of returning war veterans. Residents say they heard screams, strange cries, and weeping. Some residents said they saw apparitions of people on fire. One man said he was unlocking his door one night and looked up to see a little boy go running past his apartment and left a trail of smoke behind him. The man dropped his groceries in his arms and ran to see if the boy was okay. But when he ret- when he turned the corner, the quote-unquote burning boy had vanished and no one was there. The man had recently moved to Hartford and apparently was unaware of the 1944 fire. So that eliminates that prejudice, right? A few years later, the housing pro- project was torn down and replaced by a school. The haunting tales moved to the school and some say the ghosts still remain. <laughs> I believe it. I don't. And that's the story of the day the clowns cried. Okay, so in October 2019, two victims of the circus fire were exhumed to attempt to ID missing women. They're hoping that they can identify a Vermont woman who had been missing since the fire. And... The state judge approved it and the samples were sent to the lab and that was 2019 and then in 2020, unfortunately, July 2020, it was unsuccessful. Damn. The condition of the remains had too high of a bacterial count and that interfered with the testing. The officer of chief medical examiner in Connecticut said samples will be collected in the event that future technicians maybe develop something that will be more successful to test the remains. Smart. Science is always updating, changing. Um, that sucks. It does take a lot to exhume a body. I felt it wasn't they don't normally Yeah, I, I'm surprised that, they, that happened. they did that. And then the newest news on the fire comes from July 2021. Donald Cook, who was nine years old on July 6th, 1944, was wandering outside of the Big Top when the fire was taking place. And he was looking for his mother, Mildred Cook, and his younger siblings, Edward and Eleanor. And somehow he got lost. Well, I shouldn't say somehow. Very easily he got lost in this pandemonium that was taking place in the worst fire in U.S. history. He avoided all of the people that were rushing towards the exits and entrances. And he found... The top of the bleachers climbed down the sides, reached the ground, and then went right under the tent wall. And right now, the article that was posted from Hartford Current is that he is trying to look for a married couple that helped him during this situation. He said, quote, they were good. They helped me look for his family members a little bit and then said, we'll take you home and report that we've got you, end quote. 
That's nice. So that is the the wrap up. The day the clowns cried. Like the day the music died. Mm. Yes. Maybe that's where they came up with the phrase. Maybe. Because I can kind of see it with the lyrics and the melody behind it. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. So everyone, answer our poll on Spotify. Are you afraid of clowns? Yeah, also let me know what a poll on Spotify is because because I've <laughs> also, never done it. <laughs> same. So hit me up. HMU. Did we do it right? Can Did we? Check on that All right, just the spiel at the end. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram, Killer Bays Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Killer Bays Podcast. And follow us on Twitter, Killer Bays Pod. And if you have any recommendations, please email us at killerbayspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll leave you with the last circus superstition. Never say goodbye. It's always see you down the road. I love that. See you down the road. See <laughs> See ya down the road. Bye. Oh, wait. <gasps> I'm gonna say road. I'm gonna say goodbye. See what happens. No, stop. <laughs> goodbye. Oh, okay.